In today's world, digital landscape of old media, where fear and fury gets seven times more clicks than a dosage of goodness, we're, digital, we're offering digital doses of humanity. And we need that. We need digital doses of humanity. Maybe the algorithms aren't feeding it up as much as they should because it doesn't get as much engagement as fear and fury, but it's important for us to have. And you as a user, you can choose what you intake, just like you choose the food you eat. You can watch this content and feel, okay, I, I can improve the relationships with my life, feeling more enlivened, vital, optimistic, feel like I have more agency over my, over my life. And so that's been a beautiful journey. And that's what the end is. The end is an exploration of humans being humans through their experiences, through conversation, through their relationships. Hey friends, welcome to The Good Life with Michelle Lamoureux, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm your host, Michelle Lamoureux, a self-love coach and the author of Design a Life You Love, and together we're going to be doing just that. Each week, I bring on world-class experts, best-selling authors, leading entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of inviting you to get connected to what you really desire from your life. This show is produced with love every week. There's inspiration and actionable tips in every episode because I want to see women playing a starring role in their lives instead of living on the sidelines. Be sure to join the Good Life Community newsletter over at thegoodlifecoach.com for more inspiration and tips to live your best midlife. And make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, welcome back. I'm so excited for today's conversation. We're going to take a deep dive and explore the power of inquiry to reconnect us to one another, to love, to intimacy, and ultimately to our humanity. Joining us today is Topaz Adizas, who is the author of 12 Questions for Love, A Guide to Intimate Conversations and Deeper Relationships, which we'll also be discussing. Topaz is an Emmy Award-winning writer, director, and experienced design architect. His works have been selected to con. Sundance, IDFA, and SXSW, featured in New Yorker Magazine, Vanity Fair, and the New York Times. He's currently the founder and executive director of the experienced design studio, The Skin Deep, and Topaz studied philosophy at UC Berkeley and Oxford University. He speaks four languages and currently lives in Mexico with his wife and two children. Welcome, Topaz. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, Good to be here, I'm so excited <laughs> for this conversation. I just think your work is absolutely fascinating. I just think it's fascinating. I mean, you just, once you're like going into your, the videos and the interviews, like you just want to watch all of them. And now there's been over mm -hmm. what, 1200 <laughs> over the yeah. last 10 years. And yeah. now you've created this beautiful book to bring it to people to explore further and go deeper. And um, yeah. I just think it's amazing what you're doing. Thanks, Michelle. That means a lot. I, yeah, it's been a, be it's a beautiful journey. This, this part with the skin deep is 10 years long. And, and the book is a beautiful culmination of what we've learned, my team and I, through holding the space of, you know, vulnerable, exploratory, fun conversations in intimate spaces. So uh, that's the offering of the book is really like the, the mechanics of it and how does it so the people people can practice in their own lives and they can ride the bike themselves 
learn how to ride the bike. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And we need it. I think we need it. I feel like people have gotten so disconnected. And so, I don't know. I think we have almost a fear of intimacy. We just, we like to stay surface because it feels safe. I love your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think, well, I think one is we should just not confuse comfortability or discomfort, I should say, with safety. Mm. Um, You can be in a safe place and yet feel very uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, that discomfort could be very good because if Mm. you look at your life, oftentimes, if you look at your greatest achievements in life, the things that make you feel the best, you feel like you've accomplished something. Um, if you look before that moment, or a few, you know, whether it's a week, an hour, a month, you'll see that you really were really anxious. You were uncomfortable, but you achieved it. You overcame it, and that's what gave you this great sense of accomplishment. I think the same thing is with our relationships. That sometimes there are things we don't want to come talk about, or we're uncomfortable talking about. So then the question is, well, how do we broach that? How do we? And what's the payoff? Even and I think the payoff is when you explore things that are uncomfortable. Um, the payoff is a more fulfilling, resilient, vital relationship because you know that your relationship can weather that storm and it's that much stronger, it's that much deeper, it's that, that much more vital. But the question is, where do we learn how to do that? I don't think we really taught how to do that, how to have these cathartic conversations and how to ask really well-constructed good questions um, that point us in a good direction. Um, and that's what I've kind of stumbled into for the last 10 years and learned, and that's what the offering in the book is. Is here's you know a very basic level, prescriptive level. You ask these twelve questions, you'll have an incredible conversation. Just ask the twelve questions, you have a credit. But then you want to know, well, why did I have that incredible conversation? Ah, now we talk about learning how to ride the bike. Uh, you know, explain why these questions, why in this sequence, how to create the space, how to troubleshoot, and that gives you the ability to ride the bike. So therefore, you can have all these other conversations with the intimate people in your life, right? And I think a lot of us take the intimate converse, the the close relationships in our life for granted. You know, there is like, it's my wife, it's my husband, it's my best friend, it's my co Like, I see them all the time. It's, yeah, I know everything about them. But we don't realize we fall into these patterns, you know, these kind of societal, well, these pr- patterns of behavior, and we don't dig deeper. I cannot agree more. I think that um, I just had this experience this weekend. My daughter had a dance, and it was like, 45 minutes away from our house and she was, we were going to carpool with another parent, you know, one was going to drive down and back. And I was like, it's a nice part of California. And I said to my husband, why don't we just have a date night? Like we, we are overdue to Mm -hmm. like just sit and connect. And um, it was so beautiful to just have that time with him. And I was like, oh, we take it for granted that like, you're just in the doing of life and you often forget like, I've been with him 22 years now and yeah. you still need to connect. Like it's so important because you can really make it about your kids and we have a dog now, like everything can be about and his work and my work. And right. what about us? Yeah. What about us? And I was like, Oh good. I still think he's cute. Like you forget, like I was looking at him <laughs> like, Oh, he's cute. You know, I was yeah. having a good time. It was nice. Beautiful. I think, I think, I think respect the date night is something I tell my friends. We talk about is respect the date night. My wife and I respect the date night. But also the question is, what are you doing on that date night? Because by the time you get on that date night, are you just, are you doing what you always do? Are you still in the same patterns? Or are you taking, you know, you don't have that much time. So are you really making the most of that time? Are you doing something new? Yes. You know, are you asking new questions that are creating space for new explorations, that are creating space for new growth? Because otherwise, I don't think we're making the most of date night. 
You know, it's like, let's utilize that time because we don't have a lot of it to really explore in a new way, each other and our totally. relationship. Totally. And now I didn't ask him any of the questions from the book because we want I wanted to create the space. But wait, no, no, we will. We okay. will be doing this. <laughs> but um, I remember like I was like, if you could be anywhere, like if we could travel anywhere right now, where would you want to go? Like something fun versus, you know, because it's so easy totally. to talk about the kids or like all the stuff that. Needs well, so, to happen. so, yeah, so let me let me lay offer. So that question, where would you go? And he could talk for hours at on about where he would want to go. Yeah. If you just tweak that question, for example, where yes. do you think, if we could go anywhere in the world, where do you think I would want to go? If you just make that Ooh. reframing switch and you put him in your shoes and you're asking, where do you think I'd want to go? Just that little swap, just that little change elevates that question because now it's not actually about where he wants to go. It's about where he thinks you want to go. It's where he's projecting you're, now we're trying to play on the threads of your relationship, mm. his perception of you. And I think that's what I'm talking about, about we have questions. There's no bad, there's no, you know, right or wrong questions, but there are stronger questions. There are questions that are better constructed to explore the relationship. And I think those are these, these are things that I'm talking about in the book is like, how do you construct these better questions that, that can pull at the strings of relationship? Because oftentimes we ask, okay, you know, yeah. Okay. I'll stop there. Yeah. Like what I said, which is where do you want to go? I like what you said so much better. And that was one of the huge takeaways from your book about crafting better questions. But before we get there, let's yeah. take just one step back because just the fact that you studied philosophy tells yeah. informs me a bit about you. I love talking to people who studied philosophy. Like I just, that's like fun for me because, you know, there's so much depth to what you've learned and then your perspective mm -hmm. and how you see life can be very different than those of us who, you know, just follow, you know, I'm going to get the good grades and I'm going to go and I'm not going to go deeper. I'm just going right. to follow this path that's expected. But you were pursuing the meaning of intimacy. You had an experience early in life, you talk about in the book when you were four, that sort of informed this need for more clarity around intimacy. So tell us a little bit more about. Yeah, I think what that experience in the book I talk about, in the process of writing the book, not only was I trying to share with the reader the mechanics of how creating the space, but also to explore how was it that I came to find this thing, or yes. not find it, but but realize it and share it in another way um and it has to do with my life experience and that started when i was very young my parents got divorced and i, I don't i have maybe one memory of my parents being happy together the mm -hmm. rest was one of conflict and consternation and challenge mm -hmm. and i think from an early age that was a, that was a wounding right that was a pain yeah. but that pain created a hunger to find intimacy. Where is this connection? I didn't see that connection between my parents. I didn't always feel it with my parents. They're great, wonderful parents. They love me. They, uh, they've taught me a lot of incredible things. I have a good relationship with them now. But when I was younger, there was a lack of, there was something lacking. And I think that pain, that created a hunger in me. And through the years, I grew up exploring filmmaking with a camera, Realize that the camera can be a bridge into people's worlds. You know, if you show up at someone's door and you want to hang out, they don't know who you are. It's a stranger. You have a much better chance of getting in if you say, well, I'm making a film. I'd like to document you. Yes. So the camera was a bridge. It was a door opener. 
And so that killed, gave me a skill set. And then I was able to apply that skill set to exploring this hunger I had, which was around exploring intimacy. And then that led to this project of the and, which has been on for 10 years. And there's a whole like library of conversations, uh, exploring yes. the human experience via relationships and conversations. And that to me, I think is a good gift. It's a value offering to people. And as you know, like you can go down that rabbit hole on YouTube and you can see these conversations that are so moving and touching and have so many golden nuggets of wisdom. And it's not coming from one individual. It's coming from humanity. It's coming from people who are just having a real conversation. And there's these golden nuggets of truth that resonate when you listen to it. You're like, wow, that's so true. I know that in my life. I've seen that in my life. And I think basically the pain created a hunger that's offering a gift now. And I think that's a beautiful part of being alive as a human being. And to the listener now, I will just ask you, and it's also in the book, the end is, you know, what experiences are shaping you to offer the gifts that you can get, that you can offer? What experience are you having in your life that, that ultimately, if you harness that experience, whether it's painful or not, into a gift, what, what is that? Because I think it's uniquely, life is uniquely shaping each of us to offer something. And I often find that sometimes it is like, they say your mess becomes your message, but like the wound Mm. becomes like the, the journey, the beginning of the journey of like Mm -hmm. reclaiming self and like having understanding. And then also with that understanding of the healing that you're doing for yourself, then you gift it to others and you're doing it in such a beautiful way. I mean, you talked about the and. I'd love for you to just describe for my audience so they can get a sort of like more of a picture of, you know, what these conversations are and why you frame them the way that you did. It's called the and because a relationship is not you or I, us or them. It's you and I. It's us and them. It's the and that connects us. So mm-hmm. what if we could take a little bit of sprinkle dust and, and you know, let that powder illuminate the threads of connection Mm. between two people. And that's basically what the end is. And how we do that is we film a conversation. We have two people facing each other with a little coffee table between them where we place questions that we've custom made for them. We sit down. We have three cameras, two cameras, one camera, two cameras are over the shoulders, basically close-ups on each individual. And then there's a wide shot. So at minimum, you're always seeing both faces at the same time. And what that's doing is that it's elevating the listener at the same time as the speaker. If you think of your modern day content that you're watching anywhere, TikTok, TV, films, usually whoever's talking, the camera's on. You're not seeing the listener at the same time. Totally. And that's also where we are in a society now. We're all talking and no one's listening. We're really bad at listening. (laughs) And even the format at the end where you see both faces at the same time, we are saying the listener is as important as the speaker. Mm. And matter of fact, what they're saying isn't what's essential. What's essential is the connection between them. And when you see both faces at the same time, you you know you can say I love you and mean I hate you, right? It's in the tone. It's in how is it received. And so we're seeing both faces at the same time, and they're asking each other these incredible questions. And you're seeing these pairs, and it could be romantic couples, best friends, ex couples grandparents, their grandchildren's brothers, sisters, parents, we have the whole variety of the last 10 years. Have these conversations. And I have a friend, she said, you know, there's reality TV and then there's reality of feeling. The end mm. is reality of feeling. Yes. And it's a, 
and we feel as kids, we're really honored with the work we do because we feel like in today's world, digital landscape or world media, where fear and fury gets way seven times more clicks than a, a dosage of goodness, we're digital. We're offering digital doses of humanity, and we need that. We need digital doses of humanity. Maybe the algorithms aren't feeding it up as much as they should because it doesn't get as much engagement as fear, fear and fury. But it's important for us to have. And you as a user, you can choose what you t- intake, just like you choose the food you eat. You can watch this content and feel, okay, I, I can improve the relationships of my life, thereby feeling more enlivened, vital, optimistic, feel like I have more agency over my, over my life. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a beautiful journey. And that's what the end is. The end is an exploration of humans being humans through their experiences, through conversation, through their relationships. Really? And yeah, that's the offering. Yeah. And the algorithm may not support it, but people do. Over 150 oh, yeah. million people are resonating with this, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. They've seen it and it's growing. That's the stat I read on your on your website. Yeah. That's not even in your bio. That's amazing. I'm now seeing families playing the amusing deck. Families. So you have like the three dads there um, and their children and the wives are there. There's a whole family. I could... And they're posting it on you uh, on um, on Instagram of them playing the amusing deck. And the question is, dance my personality. <laughs> and then you oh see the God. father dancing the personality, <laughs> and all the kids are going crazy, and the other and the fam, the adults are laughing. And I'm like, oh my God, this question that my team and I created that put into a box that someone bought is then creating this moment in a family. And maybe that kid will remember that and laugh that moment. And that's brought the sense of connection to that family forever. And that's such an honoring thought. That's such an honoring thought. It's better than any of the awards, better than, it's better than anything. It's knowing that hopefully you are giving a little bit of support to people's lives in very simple, exploring the relationships around you. We don't do it enough. It's like, it's like whoever came up with post-it notes is a genius because it's so simple. It's so easy, right? And this is so simple and easy. It's like just, well-constructed questions and the space. Yeah. When you buy a card game and you play the game, instantly you're creating the space because you're saying, let's play a game. So then the space is created. Now you have these well-constructed questions and boom, now you're having experiences that connect you. And it's that simple, but it's also so simple that we often overlook it. And that's what I find so like interesting. <laughs> you know, It's so powerful and yet it's so often overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I think t- take home for the listeners, is in my opinion, it's just don't take things for granted. Even if you've been married for 20 years and you think you know your, if you ask a slightly different question, if you ask, instead of asking, when was the first time you loved me? Say, when was the first time you knew that I knew I loved you? You see that? Putting, when was the first time you knew that I knew I loved you? Have we asked that often? Maybe, maybe not. But just asking a slightly different question can go, oh, wait, you know, how does, how does our conflict make us better? What is the, you know, what, when was the last time you misunderstood me? And why do you think you did? Just asking slight, these different questions, tweaking it. Now, obviously, if you come home and you ask your partner a question, why do you love me? And they're washing the dishes. Your partner is not going <laughs> to know how to answer. Why do you? Lo- they're not thinking why you love me. They think why the hell are you asked me this question now? Washing the dishes or what, what's going on? 
But if you pull out a card game or you say, hey, there's this book, let's have this experience, that just creates the space. And now you're not wondering why that question came up, right? You're just going to create the space for the permission to give and receive, give the answer, receive the answer. So I love this so much. Well, let's talk about the power of inquiry because I just think questions and like you said, being able to create better questions is so critical because it can be the difference of, you know, your work you said was informed by a question, right? Mm -hmm. And we're so wanting, you talk about this in the book, like we want answers and certainty and, you know, just we Google it all. Just tell us now we're going to chat GPT it. I don't want to think anymore, but inquiry it's all, it's the answers are within us, but we have to be crafting it in a way to like get to the heart of it. Mm -hmm. And so talk to us about how we can learn how to craft better questions. Bottom line, stop looking for answers, create better questions. Okay. Same because we, because, because, our minds are built to answer. That's what our minds are bent to do. Yeah, They're built to answer questions, to find solutions, to resolve, right? But they're answering, the question they're answering, we have control over. You wake up in the morning and go, oh shit, I got to do that today. You don't realize that, oh shit, I got to do that today is actually an answer to a question. And the question is, what do I have to do today? <laughs> what so if true. you just change what if you wake up and instead of going what else did, what if you're aware of that question you say wait what is going to be the what is the greatest thing i could do today what is the j- moment of joy that i can create today or that is going to happen today or what you know what if you ask that question you're not going to say oh shit i have to do that today when you ask the question it's like throwing the stick and your brain is the dog that's chasing the stick you can choose where you throw the stick you can choose you don't have to throw it in the water and get wet you can throw it up on the knoll and have a beautiful view, right? Why do we fight so much? Okay, that's throwing the stick in the water because my mind is going to, oh, you want, you just asked me a question. Why do we fight so much? Okay, I'm going to go look. Yeah. I'll tell you. I'm going to look. Wait, how do our fights make us better? Oh, okay. Now I'm going to go. I have to figure out how our fights make us better. Maybe they don't, but I will find, my mind will find a way. And all of a sudden, <laughs> now you're creating a question that's more constructive, that's more empowering. So, be really aware of the power of questions. And I think this is cliche, but I think we don't do it enough. And so we do it. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's, so how to make a good, really good question in terms of a relationship. One is make a question that doesn't have an agenda, mm. right? Why are you, so, why are you so um, aggressive? That kind of has like, right, that's also poking. not impact. Poking yeah. or like, yeah. you, know, you want to offer a question as a gift. It's much easier to mm. shake a hand than a finger that's pointing at you, yes. right? So uh, if you, when you come up with a question, come up with that's more of a gift as an offering of exploration. Also, have it be constructive. How do you, how can you shape it? So why do we fight so much? It's not necessarily going to lead you to a constructive place. The learning from the book is just, there's so many things that can make a question, create the space for exploration, even just saying, why do you think? Yes. Instead of why do you disappoint me so much? Just even that is, hey, this is your opinion. And you're, or why do you feel? That's your, you can't argue with that versus making complete statements that are so clear, like as though these, this is fact. So there's a lot of, there's that. And anyways, there's five parts in the book, but constructing well questions is something that we've gotten good at. A lot of people, for example, let's just give some examples. Like if somebody's stuck, there's a lot of stuck in midlife, you know, whether it's, uh, marriage ending, uh, 
career shift, a job loss, you know, something. When we're looking at transitions or a stuckness, you know, how can we start thinking a little bit or mm-hmm. asking better questions around to yeah. to get movement? Because of course, I mean, sure. and maybe sure. maybe there's some gift in the stuckness, but to Absol- the point right. we're ready to move. So I have this in the book too at the end, which is uh, questions you ask yourself, which I think is really helpful. Yes. And that's, it's, and so thanks for setting that up. But when we, when you find yourself stuck on a, on your, you can't find the answer. Where are we going to move to? What's my next job? What should I do now? Why did this shit happen to me? Right? You're, you're, you're setting yourself a question. You just keep banging your head against the wall. Stop. Don't look for the answer. Create 30 versions of the question. Then choose the question that gives you most agency, that you're most passionate about, you're most interested in answering. And there's three parts to a question. Time frame. Are we talking about the next month, next week, next five years, two years? What are we talking about? Second part, how does it make me feel? Is it going to feel vital, challenged, inspired, safe, comfortable? You know, what, what, how does it make me feel? Then third part is, how does it affect others? Whether it's your community, your family, your partner, your your, your community, your office space, what, how does it affect others? Start, just fill in the blanks in different, makes 30 versions where you're like, okay, what can I do for the next three years that will challenge and inspire me such that I can contribute to my community? Mm. Okay, what can I do for the next two weeks that will make me feel challenged or vital or safe such that I can inspire my family, such that I can best support my partner, such that I can you know, address an issue I think is important in the community. Just come up with 30 of these questions and go, ah, okay, you know what? This one's really interesting. I like this question. Answer that question. Then the answer to that question is very clear and obvious because you've broken it down, right? And you've also been conscientious of asking a question that puts you in a place that has more agency. You know, what am I, what's my very simple, yeah. Very simple, yeah. Yeah, does it help? To have somebody ask you the question, is there something that happens when somebody else is asking versus you asking yourself? Because you can, like, sometimes I'll ask, I'll journal. I'll say, dear God, (laughs) what do I need to know about this situation or something? And I'll free write. But is there some power in somebody providing you the question? You can craft it, but somebody else asking it. I don't know, because maybe I think it depends on who's asking and maybe that's really helpful. For the uh-huh. asker, because sometimes when we ask a question and we get a playback, we want some of us want to help solve and find the solution, and yes, so we're not so spending true. so much time on the exploration. If yeah. you're going to ask the question, maybe never have an answer. Just keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, why do you feel that way? Okay, well, is vital? What does that mean to you? Is there another word like the impact to your community? What like what what part of the community? So if you're asking the if if we want to have someone ask us a question, let's make sure that they are creating a space so that they're not rushing to the answer, and that they're helping you delineate the question. Beautiful. That's that's where I think the the pivot is because again, we're we're, we're racing to answers instead of asking really quality questions. If we ask different quality questions, we would be chasing different sticks. Love it. Yeah, I had a neuroscientist said the brain loves certainty. So we just want to get to that place. So we go, okay, I, I know what to do. I know what to do. I get it. Now I can just start writing goals. <laughs> but we do that. We do that in our relationships too. I know my partner. I've been married for them 20 years. I know what they're going to say. Okay. So you're already not acknowledging that the fact that they're changing, that you're changing. And then you're also not bathing in the beauty of that change because you're stuck in 20 years ago, which is not reality anymore. Right. So, so good. 
But I think that is something, because I had one friend who says, thanks for the book, but I bought the book. It's great. But me and my friend, my, my husband, we've been married 20 years. We know each other. I'm like, well, you'll be surprised. You know, step 100%. into the space. 100%. I don't know if my husband will be like, he's he's the type who, you know, if you tell him it's like, if it's a game, I think he'd be open. But like, you know, he would never do like a Myers-Briggs test. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like an assessment. Well, he's like against anything that's going to put him in a box. You know what I mean? I, I totally, <laughs> I, I totally, no, I totally, I think that's great. I think, and that's why we call it a game. That's why totally. it is a game. And yeah. part of the rules of the game is you don't have to answer it if you don't want. You can totally. pass. Pass. You don't, yeah. And so it's it's not so much about the answers. It's not. It's about the questions that create the space for exploration. And if that exploration is sitting in silence and saying, "I don't want to talk about it," and understanding this person doesn't feel ready to talk about it, great. You've learned something, or you've sat in. Like the key to me is that the couple are creating the space of intimacy, and connection, and exploration. Yeah. Around their relationship. Many of them, many of us do that in therapy. We go to a therapist, which is good. It can be very helpful. But what happens there is that the therapist is creating the space. You're in the therapist's office. They're asking the questions. They're driving the show. So the participants of the relationship are not getting practice at holding the space. Mm. And that's what's most key is that are you as a partner, are you partnerships in partnerships, you practicing holding the space for each other? for uncomfortable conversations, for exploratory conversations, for fun conversations. Are you doing that? That's what we got to practice. And that is, I think, okay, how do we practice that? Well, we're going to go to therapy, but no, that's not practicing it. So how do we do that? That We have these games, we have the book. That's that's kind of the key is that, are you creating the space in your relationship for this exploration, for the space of conversation, for the space to cultivate your mutual trust and respect? And that's a great tool. That's what I mean by learning how to ride the bike. Yeah. And what better game than getting closer to the people you care about? You know, like you said, there's the, the and was friends. It's not just, I think just for clarity, the intimacy we're talking about is not just in romantic relationships. It's mother and daughter. It's right. I mean, it's yeah. friends. It's, it's yeah. yeah. I just had the conversation with Justin, a good friend of mine for 16 years on the end. You can see it. Yes. I've I watched for it. 16 years and yeah, we never had that kind of, we have many conversations. We have a great relationship, but that conversation was really moving for me and watching it now reaffirms for me my connection with him. And he feels the same way. And it's taken a relationship to another level. I've known that guy for 16 years, right? We've been through so much together and just doing the end. And that, that was a surprise for me. And that's for someone who's been in the space for 10 years, holding the space for 1200 conversations. Even for me doing that, I was like, wow, okay, even I can not understand the value of this experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the one with your dad too. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was beautiful. I really, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed seeing the the dynamic and, and what's interesting is one of the things you do is you have the people looking at them, each other in their, in the eyes. And you say in the yeah. book, you know, hold for 30 seconds and like get connected. And there's yeah. so, it's something so powerful when you don't move away from that and you really look into someone's eyes like that alone creates a shift in connection in such a beautiful way. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Right. I mean, I know it's uncomfortable for many people. And if it's too challenging for those who don't want to look in the eye, you can hold hands and breathe together. But yes, looking in each other's eyes and the black pupil, the center black onyx pupil of each other and just breathing in that space is, is a very powerful tool in connection and presencing. 
Yeah. Do you have yeah. a pet? No. Okay. So we got a dog a couple of years ago. I never had okay. a dog, never had a pet. And the other day he was on my lap. He's a beautiful Australian shepherd, big brown eyes, gorgeous dog. And he was being playful with me. And he kept gazing into my eyes with his tongue sort of hanging out, which means he's very happy. And I think sometimes like the amount of communication that I have mm -hmm. with that dog who can't speak, mm -hmm. he talks to me every day. His, there's a look when he's hungry. There's a look when he's like, but that loving gaze, he kept looking back. I was petting him and I was like, my heart was so full. So I think we underestimate, even like mm -hmm. you said, you can't gaze, hold hands, touch, looking, you know, some, something supportive where you're just like, you don't actually need the words. It's also so profound. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And not to be confused that it's not necessarily just about talking about the relationship. It's just being in the space of exploring the relationship. Yes. And so even if you ask a question, you know, when was the last time I disappointed you and how does that make you feel now? You ask that person thinks you're looking at each other. And the person says, you know, I'd rather not talk about that now. That's totally fine, right? Because you have the right not to answer. But you're in this space and you who asked it are thinking what they might say. They're uh -huh. thinking what they might say. Yeah. In the end, you don't say anything, but you're both in this space of developing and exploring your relationship. Yeah. And so regardless of what is said or what is even like resolved, your relationship is growing. It's getting more resilient, mm. right? It's getting amplified. Because you're both having a conversation, even if it's in your own head, you're still having, you're still in this space and you can feel it. The energy field changes, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, that's the offering. That's a beautiful offering. And I just think the more we're connected, I mean, how many times are we going to restaurants now where we'll, you see families looking at the phone? Oh, everyone's right? and, got their phone. And, and friends, the, the teens, they sit around with their yeah, phones. But, Nobody's but like, looking I don't, and Look, talking. I don't, here, here's my offering. Yeah. My offering is, you're looking at the phone, why? Because you're getting a new piece of information and you're getting it at a high rate. Every time you swipe, there's a new image, there's a new piece of information and that gives you an endorphin hit. Totally. Okay, great, get it. What if we ask good <laughs> questions in our relationship? That's going to give you an endorphin hit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm offering you something that could, not you, the, the listener, and yeah. everyone who reads the book and op or buys the game, an opportunity to get an endorphin hit at a very similar rate, but much deeper endorphin hit than what you get on your phone. Because totally. the phone is just new information. Oh, endorphin, endorphin. If I ask a good question to my partner that I've never asked them before, I'm getting endorphin hit because I'm waiting to hear their response. Totally. And so that's an offering is take, take advantage of that opportunity because it's a much bigger, longer term payoff than what you're getting on your phone. Okay. Talk right. to us about deep listening because this is a part of it. Because we're also, like you said, we can be talking, but it doesn't mean we're listening. <laughs> Absolutely. So talk to so, us about this. This I mean, is really key. So deep listening is about um, feeling to listen. It means trusting the intuition. It's about listening to your body. It's about being present. It's about getting out of the head, getting to the heart. You know, I, much like I said, the head is like the stick, the, the dog that chases the stick. Mm. But the head is built to protect you, right? Is built to protect you, to answer questions, to make sure that you're safe. The heart is built to connect you. So when you're in conversation, drop the, don't be talking from, don't go connecting from the head. Yeah. What that means is someone's talking and oftentimes we're thinking about our response. Yeah. Whether we want to win the argument, whether we want to make sure we're understood, whether we want to make sure that we get what we want. 
Well, we're kind of thinking from that. Instead, let that go and listen from the body. Breathe. Notice where's the tension. Ooh, they just said something that angered me. Okay, where's that anger coming from? My chest, my lower stomach, abdomen. Where is it? My my ear. Where's that anger? Shoulder. Where's that? Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, let me breathe in that space. And before just responding with the mind, which is built to protect you, right? And just then you're stuck on the surface level conversation. Just breathe it in, feel that emotion. And then when it's time to respond, respond from that space. You know, when you say that, what comes up for me is I notice I'm really angry. And then I notice where's that anger coming from? Like stomach. Because it makes me feel this way. Okay. Now we're in a space of feelings. You can't argue with feelings. Yeah. Right. They just are. Yeah. They just are. And then your partner can respect that's your feeling. We don't have to argue whether you're right or wrong. It's like, that's how you feel. That's your experience. I recognize that. You recognize my, okay. Just by that act, you haven't come to a solution. You have increased the resiliency of your relationship. Your partner, even though you haven't come to a, a resolution, says, This person recognizes how I'm feeling. I recognize how that, I have the space to express how I'm feeling where I'm at. And so when we drop into deep listening, we're speaking from the body. We're speaking from our intuition, not from the mind. Mm. The mind keeps us on surface level. It protects us. It doesn't, we think it's moving us ahead, but it's not necessarily moving us ahead. Not in the profundity of our relationship, the possibility no. of what it can be. So that's, that's what I mean by deep listening. And if you watch the end, there's a few incredibly good deep listeners. Ben is a great example on Ben and Sidra. Um, Sidra is excellent too. And there's many, um, but Ben, I noticed, I learned from him, I was watching him, and he never responds unless his wife, Sidra, is looking him in the eye. So she might ask a question, put the car down, she's looking down, then she looks up. He will wait. I mean, even, and then before he even responds and he has eye contact, he takes a deep breath. He feels it. He's making sure that the eye contact is there, and then he responds. And that's a beautiful, that from watching him and watching many other couples that do that on the end, you know, not Everyone, everyone's different, responds differently. But watching that kind of pairs who do that, that's when I realized, okay, people are dropping into something deeper here. And they're taking the time to make sure there's eye contact when they respond so that there's a connection in the response. They're both on the journey together. Not to get too deep, but what what do you think, I'm going to go there with you, you're a philosophy major, but what do you think, why are we here? I think, um, well, my current, and take on it. <laughs> and I, my current take is that I'm, I'm a soul in this physical body, having this physical experience, um, posed with challenges and obstacles, um, and discomfort, such that I can refine my soul to practice love more. Right. So every opportunity of this uncomfort or this anger or this conflict, it's just an opportunity for to to refine my soul. Right, it's like a diamond is made from 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 rubbing, coal rubbing against, and gets refined, and then becomes a diamond. The same with us. It's like if we avoid those uncomfortable things, we're not elevating our this experience of being alive in the practice of love. And what does love mean? It means acceptance, means connection, and me feels one with another. And you really feel one with another when you overcome an obstacle. Or challenge. I mean, look at look at our. You have a real big fight with a partner, and then you make up. If you make up, that makeup is wonderful, and that makeup love or moment is wonderful because you're like, okay, we we surpassed that. That was really hard, but we made it through, and it made it that much stronger. 
And now I appreciate you that much more because I know I can walk through the fire with you. Right? So that's what I feel it's for. I feel this whole experience is for us to practice love. And you can only practice love through facing discomfort and obstacles and challenge. Right? But then you need tools in your in your toolkit to do that. And that's what the book is offering. One of, it's one of them. There's many tools, but there's some in the book. It's at least the offering that I've learned for the last 10 years. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think we are here to remember love, the love that we are, the love that we came from and we'll return to, but to bring it to this earth experience. <laughs> there was one question that I love so much. Um, if this was our last conversation, what would you never want me to forget? And there's a story with Kelly and Virgie. And it, mm-hmm. and then do you want to tell it? Tell what happens because this is so beautiful. And I think I, I this is kind of where I want to end on this idea that mm. like say what needs to be said. I mean, the, yeah. what you're doing is really about connecting us. It's our humanity, but it's also our most important relationships. And this is a mother and, and daughter. Take yeah, it from it, there, Topaz. Well, they had a conversation, and you know they have a very jovial, funny conversation um, and lighthearted. And never really necessarily going there emotionally deep. It just wasn't the space of there, at least in front of the cameras. And the very last question was that one. This was the last conversation. What would you never want me to forget? And Fergie drops in. At some point, she drops in. She's the mom. She's the mom. She's she's this elderly woman. She shares it. And she really drops in. She says something to the extent, can't remember, but you know, that if I left this earth tomorrow, know that. Every, it, that it meant so much having you as my daughter. That's something to that extent. I know it starts if I left this earth tomorrow. And uh, years later, four or five years later, um, Fergie did pass away. And Kelly remembered that she had this conversation. And she watched it and she kept watching it. And it was super helpful. But she'll always have that moment. right? And I think that oftentimes we don't take advantage of this moment. Because every moment is once in a lifetime. Every moment. Every moment is once in a lifetime and it's never going to come back. And we we are saving off to say what's truly important for a special time. Yeah. That special time, you may miss that special time. You, 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 we're not all going to get that moment where they're on the deathbed and they're cognizant, they're aware, and they can and you can tell them at that moment. We often, if, if it gets that bad, you don't get that moment. So we have to take that moment now. And what helps with the book and what helps with the game, is just how do you create the space so that you can, you give permission for you to give that moment in terms of your love to the other and for the other person to receive. And I think that's, that's a beautiful gift that we can offer each other as we are these humans going through these souls and these humans going through this experience of life and reflecting to each other is just acknowledging that in this moment, I want to share this with you because frankly, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know when you'll have that opportunity again. So don't take it for granted. Don't take your relationship for granted. Don't take the moment for granted. And in our popular culture, we like to think it might be cheesy or whatnot, but no, I think we should acknowledge this journey that we're all on, that we all recognize and see other souls on it. And we should say thank you. Yeah. No, I'm just going to, no, please, if there's more to that, no, that's so beautiful. that's, That's it. Yeah, I think that's where that's like the place to 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 end. Yeah. 
before the end where you can go and search more and um, yeah. find Topaz and his beautiful work. And the invitation for today, I'm going to say is share this with a friend. I mean, what we had is a very deep, meaningful conversation about connection and our humanity and the importance of our most intimate relationships and all of the noise around us that is distracting us from what really matters. So share this, get Topaz's book. Again, it's called 12 Questions for Love, A Guide to Intimate Conversations and Deeper Relationships, and play the game. Have some fun with it. Explore the most meaningful relationships. I agree with you, Topaz. That is why we're here. I mean, this is it, and we need to experience that love. And also, tag us if you want. Screenshot it. Tag us on social. We'll share it. I mean, let's pass it on. I agree. Like, I love getting feedback because it's, you know, you're you're putting content out everywhere. It's so nice yeah. to hear. So reach out to Topaz and tell us where I should direct everyone listening. Theskindeep.com and our tags are the skin deep. So we're on Instagram, TikTok, and and uh, YouTube, as well as threads and Facebook, but but Instagram and TikTok and YouTube are kind of our fundamental platforms. And yes. um, theskindeep.com. Love it. Um, thank you for your beautiful heart, for the work that you're doing. And I wish you continued success. This has been such a beautiful thank conversation you, and I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you, Michelle. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. This podcast is presented for entertainment and educational purposes only. Any information provided is not intended to be a substitute for medical, mental health, or other professional advice. Seek out your trusted healthcare provider or other qualified professional for all matters dealing with your health and well-being. Any opinions or information provided by a guest are their own and not those of Michelle Lamoureux or the company.